and pass. Treading water that they drown. My head on the swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Welcome to episode 55 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mung. Fresh off some, uh, you know, I, I know you guys saw I had a, a tweet out there, you know, about a lot of toxic people on, on Twitter, toxic people in our real life fading the noise. And I know you've been all about the CEH hype train and getting a lot of flack on that, especially for me being a little bit toxic. But how you doing? Good, good. As always, you guys can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Uh, got a lot going on. We're just a few weeks away from week one, and uh, I've got an article series over at Fantrax HQ about league winners. Uh, so far, quarterbacks and running backs are out, and wide receivers and tight ends will be there shortly, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. That's awesome. And, you know, what people really want to hear about is our two guests we have on tonight. I mean, we have some of the best guys out there. Super excited to have both of them on. Uh, the first one's writer developer over at DLF Football. Kind of does it all over there on their YouTube channel. So on his handle, he has just the coolest catchphrase, stats don't lie, people do. Welcome to the show, Addison Hayes. How you doing? Good. Yeah, thank you so much for, for asking me to come on here. Uh, it's going to be really fun to talk about some tight ends. I feel like I have some pretty different takes on certain tight ends uh, that have a lot of hype this summer. Uh, but I feel like uh, it's going to be a really fun show, and I'm ready to get into it. Well, I'm glad, you know, you, you talk to people, you see the Twitter handles, and I'm glad you kept the beard, unlike Travis Kelsey, who just, you know, we're seeing those those memes all over the place, you know, where it says he, he went from the guy that, uh, you know, says, I, I also am going to call your daughter, you know, she's going to make her call me daddy to uh, I'll have her back by nine. I know you saw some some other ones. Out there. They're all over the place. That's why we love the Internet. That's why we love Twitter. Just crazy, you know, fun, fun stuff when it comes to that with with Travis Kelsey. So. I'm glad you kept your beard. I kept mine too. You. you know, Monk's, Monk's been trying to grow his for quite a while now. But the next guy we have on is the the owner of ExpandTheBoxScore.com. Now, recently, just re, uh, put out his own podcast, newly launched Good Instinct podcast. Welcome to the show, Andy Singleton. Thank you, guys. I'm uh, happy to be here. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it's being pronounced as uh, Monk. Uh, I, I've seen you on Twitter. I've seen the handle. I've never heard it pronounced, but I'm in Brooklyn, so I'm looking at it going like, you know, like Jay Z and The Rock, like ROC, man. And uh, that's how I was looking at it. So I, I apologize for having that wrong initially, but. Um, no, no worries. No, ha- happy to be here. Uh, I revealed to these guys about an hour ago. You might have seen it on Twitter today that today is my three year wedding anniversary. So my wife put me on loan for tonight's episode. So hopefully I don't disappoint the audience. But no, happy to be here. Started a new podcast yesterday. Uh, I had uh, the Footwork King Rashad Whitfield on, who literally has worked with every football player in the league, uh, known for making players faster, quicker, uh, just a, a phenomenal person overall and just knows the ins and outs of every level of football from high school to the Pro Bowl. So uh, if you want to hear some just, just some cool behind-the-scenes stuff, like just – casually drops in conversation yeah Odell called me he wanted me to come out there so he flew me out to LA and I worked one-on-one with him for a month and uh you know that you know we we got into a little bit more about Odell Beckham on that front so uh that that was just the way the conversation went and it's pretty interesting so uh other than that yeah new dashboards launched on expand the box score Uh, I was teasing Addison before uh very in line with what uh he you know um was familiar with being the stat master so let's get into this I know we got just Two of the best when it comes out there to stats. And, you know, congratulations on your anniversary. Like I said a couple of times, you got a real keeper there. We're a dynasty podcast. You got yourself a keeper if she's letting you jump on a podcast on your anniversary. And yeah. speaking of anniversaries, you know, ours is coming up. Our one year is actually next next week. And, you know, for the first, like, six months, I think Mung actually did put in parentheses how to pronounce it. You know, it was it was FFA, Mung, and then in parentheses, M-U-M-G, so everybody got it right. But everybody knows who he is in the industry now. I mean, he's really making a name for himself. And uh, our for our anniversary segment, we're going to have Dave Kluge on. That gives us a perfect segue into tight ends because we all know he's got the tightest end in the, in the industry. So let's jump right into this. You know, I want to talk to you guys first off about let's talk redraft first. Uh, Addison, what is your philosophy when it comes to tight ends? I mean, when it comes to 
how you're drafting tight ends and, and how you go about that. Cause we all have our own way of what the way we look at the position. And I feel like a lot of our listeners are trying to figure that out. You know, some of our younger listeners are like, what do I do with the tight end position? How do I handle it? How do you usually attack that position? I mean, I feel like it's the same as everybody else. It's, you know, it's that Matthew Berry saying where if I'm not the first one, I want to be the last one kind of thing. Uh, although this year I do feel like that there are a handful of guys that I'm very happy with leaving in my draft in the first four or five rounds. Uh, if I can get to that point, uh, you know, usually it's two running backs at the top, try to find a tight end somewhere in there. And then you can mix in either a third running back for your flex or, you know, start diving into those wide receivers that are so nicely available in that third, fourth, fifth, sixth round uh, as well. And if, so I try to usually leave the a draft with one of my top five tight ends in the first five rounds. Like I said, if not, you know, I'm like completely punting the position because it's a massive crapshoot. Like, like we're going to get into like seven through 20 all feel like kind of the same type of guy. And, you know, you can just wait and grab a guy like Johnny Smith or Hunter Henry, or, you know, everybody's favorite, like Adam Troutman and like, the double digit rounds and be just as fine as what you would be if you drafted like Dallas Goddard in the sixth or seventh round. So that's my general strategy. I feel like it's not all that new or uh, amazing or anything like that. I think it's pretty generic. <laughs> Andy, what about you? I know we were talking a little bit. I mean, you're right now, you know, pounding the table, getting those running backs, getting that tight one tight end early and kind of holding off on your wide receivers is what you were saying before. Is that typically what you do or is that kind of evolved a little bit based off of this season? No, it's definitely evolved. Uh, I mean, you go back as recently as, what was it, three, four years ago. I mean, it really kind of started with Gronk, maybe a little bit more than five. But when we were discussing him as a first-rounder, and people were just like, oh, are you crazy? How dare you? How could you go tight end in the first round? And that was, like, abstract. And then all of a sudden it's become a thing now, uh, followed up with Kelsey, of course, um, you know, Kittle, Waller, kind of in that mix. I think a lot of people are sour on Kittle just for his injury last year, but if he wasn't injured, we'd be talking about him in the same breath as Kelsey and Waller. So, uh, and now you get this prospect of a lifetime in pits. Uh, so to me, it's, I don't want to be first to last. I want to be first. Uh, I want to be in that mix. And it seems like once they start going, if you're not prepared for that run, you're going to be out. So get your guys, go get them, uh, pick one and, and make sure you have one of those guys, uh, especially in redraft. It just feels like, I don't want to play that game. I don't, I don't want to be at the end. It seems like that's going to be like, uh, for those of you who play fantasy baseball watching, that you, you have two catchers and you can never pick which one to sit or which one to start. Uh, same thing with like the quarterback position, uh, which is why I was saying the first four rounds, I'm really looking two running backs, tight end, and a quarterback even, which sounds kind of blasphemous uh, when you can wait so long on quarterback. But it's almost like you get the same thing. So now I'm going to be matchup dependent. If, what if it doesn't hit? Uh, there's just so many variables, so I kind of just want to set it and forget it, and that really is the QB and the tight end position for me. Yeah, and it's crazy. I mean, some formats like Scott Fishbowl, I mean, we know tight ends are king. We had Andrew Erickson on from PFF a couple weeks ago. He took Darren Waller at 103. I saw Kelsey go as early as 102 in that format, and for me, my, my philosophy has always been, and Mung and I are a little bit more dynasty-oriented, I've always waited, and, and I'm, I'm in 15 dynasty leagues. I have Darren Waller on 13 of them because I waited and that was my guy when I was doing those drafts and picking him up early. And now, you know, I did three this past off season and I, Logan Thomas was that guy that I keep picking up late, but I don't feel the same way. You know what I mean? It's a difficult situation. Mung, from the dynasty side, what is your take when it comes to the tight ends? I know, you know, John's been on, you know, our other podcast host. He basically is like, he wants to get a tight end in the first three rounds. You and I seem to wait from the two drafts that I was in with you. Yeah, I'm closer to the I'd rather have that set it and forget it uh, elite tight end, if possible. Of course, it depends on the price in Dynasty. And I think at this point in the preseason, it, it's important for us in the industry to kind of divulge or excuse me, uh, what am I trying to say, move away from like the best ball drafts, right? Because when you're playing best ball, you can grab two or three of those tight ends late. You know, you, you can get those spike weeks when they do score the touchdowns. But in actual redraft formats, you're playing that guessing game when you're streaming. And you can be smart when you're streaming and do fairly well. But at the end of the day, there's still a risk that your tight end puts up, you know, two points in PPR, which is not what you want. So ideally, 
I want that elite tight end. And the other consideration too is when you are streaming, you're constantly using that fab and you're also potentially using up extra roster spots to grab tight ends that you think you're going to need. So instead of having to use all those resources, if you just pay up early and you know get it out of the way, personally, that's my preference in a draft. Of course, it depends on where you end up drafting from because that's going to determine a lot of you know what players are available in those rounds. Well, and I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up because let's let's jump right into it. I mean, Travis Kelsey's the first guy off the board. We all know that, you know, year after year, he's the tight end one. I mean, no one's had the dominance like he has over the last five years. Set it and forget it, right? He is the tight end one. From 2014 to 2020, we're looking at a guy who averaged 87 receptions, 1,100 yards, and seven touchdowns. Andy, to your point earlier, we were talking about Gronk was that guy that we got to get in that first round. And Kelsey's been doing it year in and year out we have to decide i mean looking at underdogs adp he is the sixth overall pick i mean we're talking about passing on some big time running backs uh andy are you willing to pay that sixth pick to get travis kelsey i mean is this that time where where we have to jump in yeah i think that's a great spot for him because to me like i said it's either it's running back and tight end in those first three rounds and if you're at six likely you're out of the mix for those top five running backs uh, four to six, however you want to phrase it. So that's fine because you, it, it almost locks you into definitely coming back and taking a running back uh, with your second pick there. But you, you should definitely be able to get one. So after the first three rounds, if I come away with two startable running back one, running back two, fringe kind of you know combo guys, and the consensus overall top tight end in the game, I'm fine with that coming out of that first three pick range. Um, it's it's. The combo of where you're at. If you told me one, 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 two, one, three, no, I'd I'd much rather have one of those top tier running backs like like Kamara, McCaffrey, or or uh, Dalvin Cook. Uh, the crazy part is, you, you know, you might find somebody like Zeke, uh, Barkley, depending on you know what type of, what league you're in and how people feel about him, because uh, every league is like a snowflake, right? There's gonna be guys that are scared off or whatever. Uh, I mean, now you're in that mix where, okay, maybe I don't get Barkley, but I get Mixon with my second round pick or something like that where you have an opportunity for one of those guys who could potentially theoretically finish in the top five at the end of the season. So, um, yeah, I'm fine with taking Kelsey at six. Uh, Any higher than that? Uh, Probably not, but six, sure. Sign me up. Yeah, and Mung, we talk about a lot on the show. I mean, we answer tons of trade questions when it comes to Dynasty, but let's talk redraft. You know, 10-team, 12-team, 14-team, how – how early are you willing to take Kelsey? And because there's only those big six at the top, does it even change at this position? Or is it just the other positions that become a little bit more dicey? Yeah, I actually have Kelsey ranked at fourth overall. So to me, the elite locked in running backs are McCaffrey, Cook, and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, beyond those guys, I think there are questions about everybody. I know a lot of people are back on Camara with Thomas being out for at least the first six weeks. And certainly I feel much better about Kamara. Um, I do think that his target volume is going to be a lot more secure without Thomas there. But there are still questions depending on the quarterback and the offense as a whole. So Kelsey at four, I think the difference between him in the first round and when we used to talk about Gronk in the first round is that Kelsey has that track record of health, right? Gronk was dominant, but he was also hurt so much which is a very different story than Kelsey. So consistency plus elite upside is what makes him worth that top four pick in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, I put a a Twitter poll out there and I was asking people, I said, you know, I have Darren Waller as my 1B and I'm really getting really close. You know, he's right on the footsteps of Travis Kelsey. But I mean, Madison, is there any other cheek better than Travis Kelsey right now? And given his health in the past, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people saying, I saw one guy who's a Chiefs fan, but he's like, I could see him doing the next, the next three years. I mean, we've never seen a stretch of dominance like this from any position over five years like this being right there at the top. How do you see him over the next couple of years? And is this, is, is six also an area where you're willing to take him right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, Travis Kelsey's phenomenal. He's fantastic. Um, I would argue that we have seen stretches of this uh, from other positions as well, like Antonio Brown, but that's a yeah, that's neither true. here nor yeah. there on that. But yes, Travis Kelsey is fantastic um, and certainly is deserving of being the tight end one. I find it personally really hard to pull the trigger on him at all in the first round. I'll be honest, uh, because maybe this is just my personal biases or how I view certain players. 
but because in redraft league specifically, I really like to go RB RB in the first two rounds just to lock in RB one RB two. And yeah. I don't like to take Travis Kelsey in my first round because, you know, like Andy said, that kind of locks you into RB in the second round. And to my personal strategy would kind of lock me into running back in the third round. And there are a lot of players and running backs in that third round that I don't really like. Like, I don't, I don't really want David Montgomery or Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs. You know, they, they're fine RB2s, but I just, I don't really want them. Like, I would, I would rather, you know, have Ezekiel Elliott or Allison Eckler and then pair them with a Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards Hilaire as my RB2. And then I'm looking at, you know, maybe I can get, you know, Darren Waller sneaks into the back end of the second and I can grab CEH at the top of the third or DeAndre Swift, or I can grab George Kittle in the third round, or, you know, I really love Kyle Pitts and TJ Hawkinson. That's just kind of how I view that. And I think the opportunity cost to me personally of taking Travis Kelsey in the first round at all. I mean, I, I would definitely be looking at him at 11 or 12 like that and just, you know, seeing what comes back at the end there, but six and up, honestly, probably eight and up for me. It's just a little, little too much for me. And I feel like I, I get it. And I feel really like weird saying that like, he's too expensive at that point because of how dominant and how amazing he is. Uh, but that's just kind of where I am right there because I don't really feel, I don't want to be locked into having to draft positions in other rounds because of my choices, you know, at the top in those, you know, in those top rounds that are so important to your draft. Yeah, and, and maybe I'm playing too many dynasty leagues. I only have Travis Kelsey in two leagues, and I paid up for him when I was a contender. You know, because I always play my dynasty. I, I build it around the wide receivers. I draft the young running backs, and the final piece of the puzzle is the tight ends because typically speaking, you know, they take a little bit longer to develop. Uh, Andy, how close is Darren Waller to you to Travis Kelsey's status? I mean, we see 2019, 90 receptions, 1,100 yards. 2020, 107 receptions, almost 1,200 yards. And, and he's just a yak monster, almost 600 yak yards, and he's 28 years old. So from a dynasty standpoint, can we make the argument, you know, we have a 1A, 1B, and we're getting really close between because we have a four-year age gap? Yeah, I mean, the whole time we're all talking, I'm listening, I'm, I'm just thinking, who are the two guys taking Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill in the first round? Because uh, it seems like nobody's taking wide receiver early this year, so yeah. I'm just surprised that their ADPs are even that high. Uh, but Darren Waller, I mean, it's amazing to see what he's actually been able to uh, turn his life into. And it's a, it's a beautiful story. I hope there's a, a movie uh, that comes out at some point about it because this guy was drafted to basically do what he's doing and derailed himself with his personal things and righted the ship and is living out his, his fantasies, his dreams, uh, you know, what he was destined to be able to become. So it's a beautiful story um, as far as, you know, do I think he's the number one tight end in Dynasty? Yeah, you could make that argument, right? He's he's basically wide. He's an oversized wide receiver. If anything, he is the model that I think we should be using for Kyle Pitts uh, when we talk about what Kyle Pitts could ultimately be uh, as far as size, speed, uh, what he could do with the ball in his hands after the catch. Uh, so to me, that's kind of more of the example we should be looking at with Pitts. Uh, the only thing that really worries me there is obviously Gruden. Uh, if he's lost his magic touch uh car uh is it gonna be Mariota? is it gonna be car like w what's happening i mean Kenyon drake looks to be like a, a weird kind of receiver between a running back and uh, wide receiver so I, I just i would imagine the targets are still there uh you know this started with jared cook prior so it seems like the raiders are fairly consistent in meeting that tight end position and if you got one of the best in the game at that position, I, I mean, it seems it seems like it should not be any concern at all. Uh, so I'm happy throwing him in there. If you want to throw him in there, we could throw him in there. I have no objections to that. I don't know if that's how I've you know draw it up myself, but if that's how you wrote it, I, I would endorse it. <laughs> now I, I like the fact that you said if we're looking at Kyle Pitts, that's kind of the way we should look at it. I mean, a guy that runs a four four six forty at six six. 255 is just an absolute freak of nature, you know, when we do things. And, and that's what Kyle Pitts is, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. A new segment that we're going to launch here is it's called What's It Going to Take to Smash? So in the leagues, I'm, I'm going out there and I'm saying this is the guy that we got. This is someone that 
I, I put it out there. No one's making trades on Darren Waller, you know, because most people in Dynasty aren't willing to give him up. But I talked to my man in the in the UDPL2, that's the Ultimate Dynasty Podcast League, uh, Dynasty Bro Vic from the, the Dynasty Bros Podcast. I said, hey, you got Darren Waller. I'm a contender. You're kind of in the middle of the road here. What can I do to get him from you? You know, and he said it's going to take from my team. He would take Mark Andrews and Devontae Smith from my team. But there's no chance he's even dealing Waller until he gets to a spot where he's rebuilding. Addison, does that sound about right to you? I mean, that, you know, I, I told him we weren't necessarily making that deal, but we're trying to figure out what kind of value we have here in Darren Waller. And, and is this the type of value that we should be should going for? I think it should be higher. I think that was a smash except for Darren Waller. I don't I if I were him, I'd be like, so, man, I need Mark Andrews, Devonta Smith in the first. <laughs> so what we said was I, I actually I mean I I could pull up the chat. I was like, do you want to do you want to do that? And he goes, no, it has to be a quarterback then. So like he was, you know, we're just trying to have a theoretical conversation out there because Darren Waller is that league winner for you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I, I mean, maybe this is just because I'm not that big on Mark Andrews and such. And then Devonta Smith can be great, but his production and him being at the wide receiver position and where he's at in the wide receiver position is highly replaceable as well. So, yeah, I think Darren Waller needs uh, and I, I know he's like 29 years old and whatnot. Uh, so people in the dynasty community start to see that number, you know, and it's only going to get higher every single year moving forward. Uh, and then they see Kyle Pitts moving on. And then George Kittle, obviously, you can make that argument because he's like three years younger. Uh, and then you start getting into TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews territory. And then, you know, the dynasty community can waver pretty quickly on a guy like Darren Waller just strictly because of age. You know, no matter what he does in the production that he has, he's just always going to not be valued the same because he's getting older. Um, and especially when he hits 30, that's going to be like a, a real big death sentence to his value even though he's fantastic so yeah. but yeah i think if i were him and especially if you're a contender i'd be like yo i need i need at least the first added on top of that 100 percent. i like that and you know waller's in that area the only other league i don't have him in we have is our smash except listener league two with uh one of the other guys part of our smash except group commissioner breeze if you guys don't follow him he's like the coolest guy out there and he said he would want Jonathan Taylor from me, and then he'd give me Waller in a second. I mean, those are the kind of deals where we just don't understell the guy right now. Let's move to the third guy in that tier. And Mung, that's your guy. I'm going to let you introduce him here because I know you're all about that San Francisco offense. You've been talking about it. You know, talk to me a little bit about Kittle. Yeah, and to me, Kittle's the number one tight end in Dynasty. Um, he's a year younger than Darren Waller. And really, he's been hamstrung by two things. One, injuries and two, poor quarterback play. Um, the first, uh, you know, the injuries that he suffered aren't recurring soft tissue injuries. They aren't, you know, repeated ACL tears where you're concerned that these are going to leak into coming years. Uh, the second, I believe that Trey Lance is going to greatly increase the efficiency of that San Francisco pass attack. I don't know that the volume is going to go significantly up, but I do think that Kittle remains the number one receiving option in that offense. So to me, I, I think he's being undervalued a little bit. I've seen him go, you know, half around, almost a full round behind Darren Waller uh, in redraft formats. And then in Dynasty, I think people are very enamored with Waller too, as they should be. But they're almost forgetting about Kittle just because we haven't seen him do it for a full year uh, over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, Andy or or Addison. I mean, are the injuries starting to worry you a little bit about Kittle, or are you are you all fully on board when it comes to Kittle? And then talk to me a little bit about you know what your thought process is with the rookie quarterback, or if it's Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll go with you, Andy, and then we'll kick it over to Addison. Yeah, I'm not too worried. I mean, it hasn't been really too bad. Uh, you know, last I mean, last year obviously only eight games, year before 14, and then he had a full season. Uh, I'm not too worried about the injuries, given his youth, given. Just his attitude. When you just look at all the off-field stuff, I, I like to get into the you know theatrics of the player. I know Kelsey was trending yesterday for shaving his beard, and I made the comment like, you know, this if anybody's going full Hollywood, it's it's Kelsey's been doing a lot of off-field stuff over the last couple of years. Not knocking it, not saying you know this is you know detracting from his his play or whatever, but he's got more involved with starting you know the tight end camp and you know had all the tight ends out. They had to whole symposium or whatever uh, he seems to be concentrating he, he seems to have a lot of activities going on 
off field. Um, not to again, not to knock it, not to say anything with the production, but it seems like he's starting to look towards the next chapter in his life, uh, where Kittle's still in that spirit of you know he. This is a guy that started you know tight end uh, national tight end day, right? Uh, or at least if he didn't start it, he was the one that really hyped it up. So uh, he seems to really be wanting that ambassador role for the tight end, the face of the league. And I love his attitude. I, I feel like there's a lot of unsettled business with San Francisco. When you look at all the injuries they had last year, when you look at all the talent they've amassed, when you look at what they've got going on at quarterback with Jimmy G could be starting in so many places, and they still take Trey Lance number three overall, and everybody wants him. Uh, so there's a lot going on in San Francisco. And then you look at Kansas City, and they've already got their ring. You know, they've, they're in the picture. They, they almost had another one last year. Uh, they're still going to be in the mix. They still have a lot of talent. Guys can take a week off in that offense, and uh, the hunt a little bit different. So it's enough to just say slight little margin of error for me saying if you're looking at Kittle versus Kelsey, um, there's a little bit more hunger left in the belly for Kittle from what it seems yeah. to me. And when we're looking at three, these three guys, we're, we're splitting hairs. I mean, when it comes to actual – tight end skills when it comes to blocking and putting it all together. I mean, it's tough to argue anybody's better than Kittle. Kittle, Kelsey has been the better, you know, receiving option. Same with Waller. When it comes to complete tight end, I mean, it is Kittle. Addison, I mean, how do you view things? If, if Garoppolo starts, we've already kind of seen that. But how much higher can the ceiling possibly be if Trey Lance takes over? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is kind of interesting. So hearing – everybody else talk i feel like i'm probably the lowest on george kittle in this group because i have kittle and redraft uh as his own tier below kelsey and waller i don't have him in a tier with the other two uh but i do have him in as a tier above every you know everybody else after him just kind of in his own tier right there i do have concerns not so much the quarterback uh in terms of if if it's garoppolo versus trey lance i do obviously think that trey lance is better uh but he is still very raw i still think that he has a lot to prove he had one season at a you know fbs or uh yeah fbs level you know not really like what we saw even from like mac jones or zach wilson he had one really good efficient high rushing volume season um but he does have a lot of raw potential um and and i do like that upside that i see in him uh as as a quarterback over jimmy garoppolo i do have other concerns for kittle though in terms of i don't know if he's for sure the top target on the team i would like to think that he is Brandon Ayuk showed out really well. Debo Samuel has done really well um, with the volume that he has received over the past two years, year and a half in terms of the games that he's played. Uh, and it seems like Kyle Shanahan really wants to just, you know, draw a play specifically for Debo Samuel. And I think that the biggest difference between when we're talking about Kelsey and Waller, I mean, you mentioned it mentioned it there that that Kittle is the best all around tight end between the three of them. Like his blocking ability is second and none he's amazing uh and that play style is one of the things that i think could continue leading him to get hurt but it's also another thing that i think hinders his ceiling and his true upside because he could just kind of you know be a blocking tight end for the majority of drives and be kind of schemed out as a pass catcher or maybe he has you know there are plays and designs where he's set up for you know the first quarter or first few drives you know, it's all Ayuk and it's all Debo Samuel because they're setting up some sort of deep ball play to George Kittle. And then that's kind of like the main production that he has. I am concerned about, you know, those kind of things. And um, and and it is funny because a couple of years ago when George Kittle had his monstrous, you know, record season at the tight end position that Travis Kelsey just broke, um, one of the biggest concerns and drawbacks for him moving forward was what happens when more weapons are added. That was the same offseason where people were talking about what happens if Antonio Brown gets traded from the Steelers to the San Francisco 49ers. Now Kittle right. has legit competition for targets. So now I think he has legit competition for targets and Brandon Ayuk, a first rounder, Debo Samuel, uh, uh, who has also shown out really well. I think that they're not going to stop throwing to the running backs as well. Um, I think they have a handful of guys who can p- catch the ball well out of the backfield. So there's just, I think there's a lot going on there that gives me concern and a little bit of pause with George Kittle. And that's why I have him a tier below the other two, because the other two are for sure. I, there's not a doubt in my mind that Darren Waller is the number one on that team. And mm-hmm. Kelsey is at least the one, a one B on that team. 
but there's there's a little bit there for me about George Kittle where I I don't know if he is for sure the one. I could see Ayuk doing it. I could see Debo Samuel doing it. I could see all three of them being at 120 targets, and they're all fine. Uh, but that ceiling just isn't isn't there for me. That there isn't the other two. Well, I feel like the and we'll move into tier two now. Is I feel like there's you're you're talking almost a parallel career here of TJ Hawkinson. I mean, TJ Hawkinson was, he's an elite blocker as well. He, he plays in line. He's had a couple of injuries early and there's no weapons in Detroit now, right? I mean, TJ Hawkinson is going to be that guy. And we've heard, you know, JJ Zacharyson say guys that get drafted before the wide receivers on their team at tight end are the guys that really ball out. And, and TJ Hawkinson is catching some serious, serious, you know, hype with, with, with what's going on right now. Andy, how excited are you for TJ Hawkinson? And I mean, the, the Detroit offense as a whole doesn't seem all that exciting, but TJ Hawkinson is going to get peppered. You know, 100 targets last year, and, the, and he finished as the tight end six. What can he do this year? Yeah, I'm totally enamored with him. Um, you, you know, you, you, I remember going back and watching him when I was doing uh, the college video series. Still doing draft analysis, but not the, as much in depth with the videos. But anyway, uh, the big comparison was he and his teammate Noah Fant, of course, at the time, and, and the real separator was that he was more of a ready-made blocker, ready to really be able to jump into an NFL offense week one. Uh, so that was a separator for the two of them to see what he did in year two, uh, when normally the traditional curve is three years for a tight end. Uh, he's already ahead of the game. I like this for, for other reasons as well. I know there's a lot of hype uh, about Stafford going to L.A. I know there's a, a lot of doubt about Goff coming to Detroit. Um, to me, Stafford never really looked his tight end's way that much. Uh, when you look at his career touchdown pass, I think it was 282. Only about 17% of his uh, career touchdowns went to the tight end position. So he had some favorable ones there. He had Eric Ebron there. Uh, you know, had two years to work with Hawkinson. So, I mean, the jury's out on what that could have been because, again, Hawkinson in year two, he was going for 100 targets and six touchdowns. So who knows what he could have been with Stafford, uh, especially with. Uh, you know, a dearth of other targets there at the wide receiver position. But uh, I, I think Goff's a better fit, honestly, than Stafford was in that offense. So uh, to duplicate 100 targets, I, I think that's a, a no-brainer. Uh, what he does with those targets is a different story, but I'm betting on the talent. Eighth overall pick in the draft. Uh, give me the volume, which he's sure in line for. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of reasons to be, you know, for him to have all the buzz and the hype he's getting. Uh, it's just from a pure volume standpoint alone. And Goff's one of those guys on Twitter that people absolutely hate. I mean, he's on a QB 25. That's completely unwarranted. You know, he's better than several guys right up there ahead of him. And when you associate it, you know, you, you throw Jared Goff in there. Now, all of a sudden, some people are detracting from DJ Hawkinson. I just feel like he is going to get absolutely peppered here. I mean, the wide receivers, you know, you, you like Amon St. Uh, why I'm having trouble putting out words but I mean you like some of the guys there's some upside there but I mean Addison Hawkinson's gonna lead this team in targets right oh my gosh yes uh Hawkinson is one of my favorite tight ends this year because he has like that fourth fifth round ADP and he's gonna have like 140 targets like I don't see how he doesn't have that type of volume and he's he's kind of like because I I saw the same thing with Darren Waller last year as well and everybody wanted to talk about they drafted all these other wide receivers, blah, blah, blah. But like Darren yeah. Waller had a clear path to 130, 140, 150 targets. That is TJ Hawkinson again. And I think it's really weird that people are like down on Jared Goff because he supported two top 24 wide receivers in LA. And I mean, maybe some of that was McVay and the system and whatnot and kind of, you know, um, training wheel Jared Goff along through the offense. But like, he's fine. Derek Carr can well, make the, Darren Waller a end, great tight end. <laughs> the back end of 2019, I mean, we saw what he did with Higby. I mean, Higby took off, you know, at the end yeah. of that. I mean, he he's very good at, at, at targeting the tight end. Mung, I, I'm getting a lot of dynasty questions. I mean, from the big three, how far off, you know, if you are in, if you're a contender and you have Travis Kelsey, what are you willing – are you willing to give up Travis Kelsey for Hawkinson in the first? Is that the kind of move – I mean, I'm getting a lot of questions like teams there – they were in contention for two or three years. Now all of a sudden, Kelsey's 32. It's time to move on. And, and TJ Hawkinson, to me, feels like one of those guys because you cannot buy Kyle Pitts in Dynasty. 
Yeah, and I think it really depends on situation and dynasty because, you know, if you're not sure you're contending, then I, of course I would sell um, Kelsey for Hawkinson in a first. I think the value is certainly there. If you are a strong contender, though, I would keep Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller because to me, if you told me that TJ Hawkinson finished as the number four tight end in 2021, I'd be like, all right, yeah, like totally see it. If you're telling me that everyone's healthy and he finishes in the top three over Kelsey Kittle or Waller, uh, I will disagree there because I do think that he can lead the Lions in targets. Um, The difference is, and to your point, Jared Goff, as much as he struggles with quarterback play, can support fantasy options. But my question is whether, one, he's going to target Hawkinson as far down the field, and two – whether the Lions are going to be in scoring position as much because those are the two difference makers because we know that Hawkinson can be good after the catch. The only difference is where is he going to be starting with the ball, whether that's going to be five yards down the field or 10 yards down the field, and two, how many touchdowns he's going to actually score because we don't know how many touchdowns this Lions team is going to score as a whole. Right. I mean, you're right. If those top three are healthy, that's that's what it's going to be. But it, when you put out there that Hawkinson has that upside, people are like, no, nope, not going to happen. You know, he was the tight end five or six, depending what your your format was last year. You know, so, I mean, TJ Hawkinson is going to be right in that range. He's absolutely going to get peppered. The next guy, Addison, I'm going to let you lead off on this because I know, you know, I, what we started talking about tight ends because I saw I saw your video on Kyle Pitts and we had on uh, Dave Richards from CBS all about, you know, Kyle Pitts and was really selling us on that. It doesn't wait, take wait, much. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying Dave Richards was all about Kyle Pitts? At, at that time when we were on here, he was, like, talking him up. Oh, come on. Dave Richards uh, bashed me on, on Twitter for uh, the better part of a month because uh, in a mock I did with those guys, I took yeah. Kyle Pitts in the third round. Um, now, that might be a little too rich for his blood, granted, yeah. but if you love the player that much – there should be a little grain of salt there, so we're going to have to have well, words with Dave. Yeah, we were doing a hot takes episode, and he was talking about, you know, we I forget who it was, someone else over there at CBS, and we were talking about how he's going to be lined up as a wide receiver, and he seemed at that point to be coming around on him. Addison, I know you're super bullish on him, and you have been the entire time. Hey, I mean, maybe Dave's been watching the DLF YouTube channel, and has, <laughs> has been <laughs> learning. that little plug in there. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Listen, I will say, I will come right out and say that I w- I have recently joined the Kyle Pitts train. Probably over the last two months is when I've really been ramping up my love for Kyle Pitts because um, I was originally like, man, we're talking, we're hyping up like a tight end, the best tight end season, rookie season of all time. That was me pre-draft. So, um, and then and I'm here now. So to everybody like, out there. They're with you. Yeah. I'm like with you. you you can make that jump. You can make that switch to join the right side and join the Kyle Pitts side because this dude is going to be fantastic. He's going to be, um, I, I don't want to say he's the one-for-one one replacement for Julio Jones, but he is and was drafted to be the replacement for Julio Jones. The Falcons knew that they were trading Julio when they drafted Kyle Pitts. They knew what they were getting themselves into a Kyle Pitts. He's not going to put his hand in the dirt and block next to a tackle. He's going to be on the outside. He's going to be their wide receiver too behind Kyle, Calvin Ridley. And he's going to be fantastic. And I honestly, I don't think that it is out of the realm of possibilities. And I actually, if you told me right now that Kyle Pitts was the best rookie pass catcher from this class, I, I'd i be totally fine with that. I would 100% believe you. I would believe that he outscored Jamar Chase, that he outproduced Devonta Smith. I'd be 100% in on that. And, and if he does that, and if he is that, he is a top three fantasy tight end for 2021 and will be everybody's dynasty tight end one, you know, by the end of the year uh, in or to start 2022, 100%. So get on board that train now because if slash when that happens, he's he's going to be like un, unattainable at that point. Yeah, I mean, over the last three years, the Atlanta tight ends averaged 91 targets, you know, and they've been putting out five touchdowns. That puts them in a spot where they literally would be you know, they would be right there at the tight end six. And, you know, he's going as the tight end six. I want to share this. I had a dynasty trade that I just got done. And uh, it's a 12-team super flex, 0.25 PPC, tight end premium, just 1.5. Um, and I was able to get this deal done today. So essentially what I, I gave up was Kyle Pitts, 
Tyler Johnson as a throw in, a third round pick as a throw in because I'm looking to repeat in this league and got Zeke, Zach Ertz, and Pollard. So break this one down. Andy, I'm going to let you call in on this. I mean, Twitter has it at 62-38. Is this a smash accept or is this a lot, should be a lot closer? Zeke and Ertz or Pitts and a 23rd third? I, 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 don't, I don't know that that's as close as Twitter has it. I, I like the Kyle Pitts side um, <clears throat> a lot more. A lot you like more. the Pitts side? Yeah, over Zeke and Ertz. I, I, I don't know what you're getting out of Ertz or for how long. So, um, yeah. you know, to, to me, oh, no, Ertz, take... was, Ertz was a toss in there, but Zeke was as my, you know, I, I have Waller on the team, so I'm, I'm a little heavy there, and I'm a little light at running back, so I was like, I definitely want Zeke to put my team over the edge in a .25 PPC. No, I but get I got it. You. I get it, but if, if so, basically, I'm, basically, I'm looking at Pitts or or, or Zeke here, yeah. and I'm taking the best player in this deal, which right now I think is Pitts. Uh, if that makes me too heavy with Waller and Tungian, guess who's going on my trade block immediately? Uh, Waller and Tungian. So, yeah. um, you know, maybe that turns around and gets me. Uh, well, you already got Kamara and Saquon, so uh, I mean, you're not even hurting there. Going back to what we were talking about with redraft earlier and wanted to be at the top end of that tight end run with one of those top four guys, I, I tweeted out, I, I forgot what, what, what uh, oh, Bob Long's um, uh, King's Classic I was drafting yeah. this weekend. And I tweeted out, make sure your backup tight end is flex worthy. And guys were responding saying that this math doesn't prove it, it doesn't check out. My simple point was, if you're drafting your tight end that heavy, that high, and he goes down, there's not a bye week replacement that is right. is going to right your ship. Uh, it, you know, if you're if you're mid level and, you, and you're balancing act with the with the tight ends, and you got two guys, and you're playing the matchups and whatnot, and you're waiting on tight end, if you're that guy that's last, fine, yeah, you can go pick up the wave away. But if you're if you're taking Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, and one of those guys goes down, and we saw it with Kittle last year. You don't have a guy that is at least flex worthy. If if Kittle's playing, um, you, you know you could be screwed. So that's why I say when I look at your lineup, so what? I got Pitts and I got Waller. One of them's going to the flex. Then I'm happy there. Like the, yeah. the, each of them are better than wide receiver threes, right? Especially in a tight end premium. So um, yeah, give me give me. I, I know this was a long. Long word and answer to tell you. No, that's fine. I mean, that's me. what we're, we're all about dynasty trades. That's what it is. Mung, what do you think on this trade? And you can roast me too. I'm uh, perfectly fine with that. You know, like I know that team's going to be in, in contention, but I, I want to get a little bit of your take on that as well. Yeah, I think it's a fair deal, but I do lean the Zeke side. And for two reasons. One, I like Pitts a lot for dynasty, but for his rookie year, I mean, even if he is going to be used out wide, there's still a learning curve. I don't know that he's going to absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But for what percentage of his snaps, right. Is the question. And I would be all in on pits. If he did go to a team that traded away Julio Jones, that didn't also have Calvin Ridley, who's going to see, you know, a ton of targets of his own. Um, But either way, you know, for as far as Zeke goes in a points per carry league, you know, if, if this were a normal format, I would absolutely take the pit side. But in points per carry, the running backs score so much higher than all other positions. And, you know, even last year, you know, Zeke was close with Waller in a very down year for that entire Cowboys offense. So throw it, throw in the fact that you still have Waller and Tunyon. I do lean the Elliott side here. Now, obviously, I understand the pit side for the other team as well, especially if they're rebuilding. Yeah, they um, are. But, but going back to redraft real quick, I just don't have a ton of shares of Pitts because of where he's going. If you told me I can get him where I'm getting Mark Andrews or TJ Hawkinson, then yeah, I'm going to be grabbing Pitts a lot in the fifth round. But when he's sneaking up into the mid-fourth round or even the third round, he's going in the same range right now as guys like Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper. These are locked in guys who have top five upside. And to me, that's just a little bit too rich for me in redraft. As in one word answer, Zeke or Pitts. Uh, I'll, okay, Break so I, I agree with I agree with Mung. It's in the point. It's the points per carry for me. If you're talking, Zeke is going to get 250 plus points as a contender. That's an additional 60 to 70 points minimum. Whereas the tight end premium, you said it was a 0.5 extra, right? Yeah. 
So if Pitts gets even 70, 80 carries, that's 35, 40 points extra for him. So Zeke already outscores Pitts on the premiums. Uh, so I'll take Zeke as the contender there because you already have Waller. So I probably would have liked to see you move Waller instead. But Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was a points per carry until Monk started talking. And that's like right off the bat, 60-plus points. So, um, yeah. Yeah, Pitts has to carry catch 70 balls to for us to feel happy about a season, and that's still yeah. like 30 points less than the carries alone. So, Good deal. So Mark Andrews is the, the last guy in this tier, but what I really wanted to do and what our, our listeners were really asking about is those guys from 7 to 20. You know, your Logan Thomas, Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, Higby Tungan. Who are those guys for you guys that, like, okay, you missed out on the big six? You know, and we've all talked about we want to make sure we get one of them. You missed out. Andy, who are you going after out of that range, in that 7 to 20 range? Who are you taking that you feel comfortable? And also with the philosophy, are we, are we trying to take two of these guys then to feel a little bit more comfortable with that situation? I think I'm with you. Uh, you mentioned before you're a Logan Thomas guy. I, I'm really curious to see what he can become. Yeah. Uh, he reminds me not for his play style or athleticism or anything like that, uh, about Darren Waller, but just simply the late breakout for Agreed. various reasons. I think when you look at him and Tunyon, I think Logan Thomas is more of the guy I would bet on and say, no, this is what he could be, as opposed to Tunyon. Uh, Logan Thomas was a quarterback, uh, studying the position, transition, and all that kind of thing. Uh, but for redraft and for fantasy, a similar guy for me that I'm targeting in a lot of places, and I think to this point it's been a lot of coach speak, uh, I'm looking at Irv Smith who was just a dynamic tight end coming out of Alabama. He's still incredibly young. He's already going into, what is it, his third year now? At, at, at 23 years old. It's he just insane. turned, yeah. It's insane how young and talented he already is. And they didn't add anything to that offense. Kirk Cousins is going to throw the ball a ton. You got Dalvin Cook. We already saw what Thielen and Jefferson can do. And then who's left after that? It's Irv Smith. So, to me, I think he can vie for the third receiver in that offense. Regardless of the guys I just named, I think he could pass up either Cook or Thielen as that third option um, out, of, out of those four guys. So I really like Irv Smith a lot. He was my priority target in Dynasty all offseason. I think he's a, he's a worthy redraft target as well if you wait on the tight end position. So uh, I'm looking forward to Irv Smith being something. And that Tyler Conklin talk, nothing against Tyler Conklin. I just think that's more coaches speak than what's actually going to play out in reality. I like both of those. And and targets are king when it comes to, you know, the tight end position. Logan Thomas, 110 last year. And this a little bit of a dynasty spin here. But, you know, two years ago, three years ago, Darren Waller was a guy where you saw that upside and you started adding him cheap in dynasty. Logan Thomas was a guy we talked about, you know, about a year ago saying, hey, there's some there's some coach speak. There's some buzz going around him right now. And he has a great season. Uh, so, you know, when you get some of those things, we're going to talk about some stashes here at the end. Some guys you could should definitely add. But be aware of those kind of things on your waiver. Make sure you have room to add some of those some of those upside tight ends. Addison, who's the guy out of that seven through through twenty that you're really into? Um, and I, I think I know the answer here. Oh, I don't know. Uh, this guy is the discount Logan Thomas, though. I don't understand why everybody. I, I understand why everybody hates him, but I don't understand um, why we just kind of threw him aside. And it's Evan Ingram. Uh, it, it's pretty easily Evan Ingram for me as well, too. It's is Evan Ingram the Jared Goff of the tight end position? Like, if you put Evan Ingram in a Twitter poll, it loses. Like, even it almost takes value away from, like, the Twitter is, polls. Is Evan Ingram, though, like the Rojo of tight ends? I like I like that one. Like, Kirk Cousins yeah. of the tight ends. Like, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, Evan Ingram, you said it. T- volume and targets is key for the tight end position. Well, Evan Ingram had one less target last year than Logan Thomas. Um, his, you know what the biggest problem? So I'm looking at my, uh, the scoring table from DLF from the DLF tool for scoring Logan Thomas on this finished as the tight end four last year. Do you know mm-hmm. what the difference was between tight end four Logan Thomas and tight end 14 Evan Ingram was five touchdowns. Other than that, their stat lines were exactly the same. Yeah. Their targets were identical. Their receptions were identical. Their receiving yards were identical, but Logan Thomas scored five more times. In fact, Evan Ingram finished as a tight end 14 last year. If he scored one more touchdown, he would have been a top 10 tight end. If he yeah. scored two more touchdowns, he would have been the tight end eight. 
And we so, have a tight end. I mean, he had 109 targets and one touchdown. That's that's yeah. not, you know, like if you told me with a healthy Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley back, yeah, that's definitely a, a nice upside play there for sure. And is there one other guy in that range that you would you would say, hey, you know, this is another guy that I got to have? Uh, Robert Tunyon, I think, is the other guy. If you want to talk about a uh, – if you want to take a shot on a touchdown-dependent player, but I think who also has target upside. He didn't really have the targets last year, um, which I thought was kind of funny just because of how little other targets they have outside of Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. But I think Robert Tunyon could take a kind of a volume step and whatever touchdown regression he has from last year where he scored over double-digit touchdowns, I think can kind of be mitigated with 15, 20, 25 more targets this year. Um, and Coach Speak is kind of talking up that Robert Tunyon can take that next step. Um, I don't think they did. I don't I don't really like Amari Rodgers. I think you just kind of lump him in with Alan Lazard and MVS. And I think Tunyon can still be the third option on the team behind Adams and uh, Aaron Jones. So you throw in the touchdown upside and the efficiency that Aaron Rodgers brings to the, you know, the Packers and their red zone throwing and their stats. Tunyon could be, I think, another beneficiary of that. And I, you know, if you if you want to take a shot on a guy with eight plus targets, and another, you know, 600 yards and 50, 60 receptions. That's to me. I think that's Robert Tunyon, and you get him at kind of a discount as well. I think everybody I'll, tells the, the narrative. Oh, go ahead, Andy. No, I was going to say I'm looking for whiteout because I had Randall Cobb in for 100 plus targets. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think everybody tells themselves the narrative that you know the the touchdown regression, right? But they're not saying mm-hmm. fit, what you can't increase from 59 targets. You know, 59 targets, 52 receptions, that can definitely go up. The touchdowns aren't going to be quite that sustainable, but he is in an offense with Aaron Rodgers and going to be in that red zone. Mom, give me two guys. I know maybe our one guy we keep talking about all the time, but give me two guys here in that range. Yeah, one of my guys is Jonu Smith, um, who the hype was starting to grow on him, but now with that ankle injury, it seems to have cooled a little bit. So maybe a blessing in disguise if he can be healthy week one, but then have his ADP be depressed a little bit. Uh, Jonu Smith is just a, a yards after the catch monster. I mean, when you look at his yards after the catch per reception, uh, you know, it, it's better than Kelsey and it was better than Waller last year, right? And then in 2019, his yards after the catch per reception was second among tight ends behind only Noah Fant. So this is a guy who was stuck in a low-volume Titans offense who's now in New England. And I think people are worried about both of the New England tight ends because they signed you know, Henry and Janu both to big contracts. But they're going to be playing a ton of 12 personnel, so I'm not worried. I mean, their wide receiver competition is Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers. You're not super worried about those guys commanding tons and tons of targets. And then on top of that, you look at him being used out of the backfield with a few carries in training camp. So maybe a few trick plays up Belichick's sleeve. The touchdown upside is there, but I also think he can be more consistent week to week as well with both target volume and then yards after the catch. So I love John Smith where he's going right now in redraft. I love it. Since we're getting a little bit tight on time here, we're going to play a little game of smash or crash. So smash would be taking the over, crash would be taking the under. I'm going to throw some stats out there from some of the tight ends that we've talked about, and we're, we're going to start right out here. I'm going to put you on the spot with Kyle Pitts. Football guys has him at 859 yards. Smash, oh, over, crash, under. So he's going to be over 859. Smash, yes, I love 100%. It. love it. We move Andy, would you agree? I'm actually, as much as I, I love him, I, I'm going to actually crash that. Yeah, I'm on the I, crash I, side, too. I think like 750 felt like the number in my head. I I, uh, I should have pulled up my uh, projections uh, for all this. If you want to bear with me for two seconds, I'll tell you what I'm going to project it for. But I think I'm crashing that. I think that's a little bit too high. Uh, and I, and listen, I'm as big of a Kyle Pitts fan as, as there is. So Apparently uh, not. Hey, while you're pulling that up, Mung, settle it here. Oh, man, I I gotta go under just because, you know, like I said, if Calvin Ridley weren't there, I gotta crash it. Both of our guests, there you go, there you go. I was like, yeah, both of our guests got it. They're like, this is our third time doing it. We gotta get smashed or crash. You know, it's a little bit better. While he's pulling that up, let's let's move on to the next one. I I got it real quick. I got him at 737. I got him at 737, so I'll crash it. That's right in line what we were saying. All right, let's go with the next one. Have him for? I'm just curious. How many targets? 85. Oh, my 
gosh, what are you doing? <laughs> Addison, Addison, what do you have, Matt? Uh, I, I, I don't really do projections, but in that uh, deal, in that YouTube video I put on the DLF YouTube channel, I put him down. I think I felt really confident and comfortable at at least 115. Okay. As a more of a wide receiver. I do think if he gets 100, 100 targets, that 859 is definitely in range. Next one here, you know, he had 11 touchdowns last year. Football guys has Travis Kelsey at 10.8 touchdowns. Mom. Uh, I'm going to go crash because I think they're going to run a little bit more uh, near the goal line with that upgraded offensive line. Addison? I agree. Yeah, a slight a slight crash, eight or nine. Andy, are we going to smash it or are we going under too? I'm going under. I got him at nine. A straight crash, I agree. The next one, they have TJ Hawkinson, and we'll start out with you, Andy. 77.8 receptions, so 78 receptions would be the over. <laughs> After everything I said before, I'm going to have to crash this. I got him at 71. So I'll I'll crash that. Addison. Uh, I'm going to smash that one. If he's getting 140 targets, he's not having a 50% reception. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Mung, break the tie here for us. Yeah, I I don't love him in fantasy in the lead tier because of efficiency, but I do think the volume is going to be there, so I'll smash it. All right, let's talk about one of the under-the-radar guys we, we've been preaching quite a bit is Anthony Ferkser. At Football Guys has him as the tight end 21. So will he finish smash higher than 21 or crash 21 or lower? Andy. Oh, man, i got to resort this real quick. I actually have some decent numbers for you. Two seconds here. Hold on. Oh, fantasy Ferkser. I got Ferkser finishing... 18th, so yeah, I'll smash that. I'll smash the, the hell out of that. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Smashing the hell out of it right there. Mung. Yeah, actually, I have Ferkser ranked 18th as well, so I will smash as well. Okay. Addison, bring it home. Can we have a complete smash? Wow. Uh, I feel like I'm kind of pressured into it, but I'm looking at the list. Of it's, it's peer guys. pressure. Addison, everybody's doing it. We're all smashing it right now. Let's go. Uh, okay, I'll I'll lightly I'll we have like yeah you, like a the, light what's smash slightly worse than smash. Well, right now they have, at, attack. they have they have Cook <laughs> at seventeen, Gronk at eighteen, Hooper at nineteen, and Ebron at twenty. Yeah, I think they're all the same guys. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah. So a, a, a light smash or a tapping? Okay, we'll go with that. Uh, Dallas Goddard at six hundred ninety-four yards. Munga, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to smash that because I'm still of the mind that the Eagles will find a suitable trade partner for Zach Ertz at some point. All right. Andy. Yeah, I'm going to smash that too. I got Ertz projected at 194 and got it at 559. That's with them both in Philly. Um, Yeah, I'll smash that. 649 you said? 694. Oh, 694? Oh, I'll crash yeah. that then. That's pretty significant. Yeah, I'm, on, I'm on the crash as well. Addison? Team crash as well. His best season, he had 87 targets two years ago and only hit the, and barely hit 600. So, yeah. All right, one last one here before we go move. Oh, actually, I got two. Logan Thomas at 70.5. So, Addison, is he going to get 71 receptions this year? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I know. They're all close, right? I told you I was going to put you guys on the spot a little bit. Yeah, these are good lines. Um, I'm going to – I'm actually going to – what is slightly worse than Crash? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, like just like a curve. No. I don't know what kind of way. <laughs> yeah, I like a, a, de- a depress. Is that what it is? Yeah. I think they added, they added Curtis Samuel. They keep talking about wanting to give Gibson more work and blah, blah, blah. So – and Fitzpatrick is a different quarterback than what they had last year. I don't know if Thomas sees the same volume. I think that that kind of hurts his receptions. Well, yeah, Alex Smith was supporting McKissick and Logan Thomas because that's all the further he could throw. But, Andy, yeah. Andy I mean, what do you think? I, I love the weapons they have that they've brought in. I like Diami Brown a lot. Uh, I do think Logan Thomas has a nice season, but I'm under. I have a 95 targets and 62 receptions. So, okay. Good season. Yeah not 71 reception season. Yeah, I had him at 66, so, I mean, it's definitely close. So I'm on the crash. Mung, are you going team crash? 
the whole way, or is we gonna smash one? Yeah, we'll sweep it. I'll, I'll crash it as well. Uh, you know, Curtis Samuel and then Diami Brown too, who's getting a lot of good reports out of camp. So just a, a lot of different options there. All right, last one, and this one we're gonna do a little bit differently. I want you guys to give me your projection and see how close it is here on Noah Fan. How many receptions this year, Andy? I got 87 targets, 54 receptions, 650 yards, and four touchdowns. All right, so you got 54 receptions. Uh, Addison? Add 10 to that. Give me 64. Okay. Mung? You going to say $1 and go over or under? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go 55 then. No. Um, hey. Honestly, this might be a cop-out, but that sounds about right. I don't see a ton of, a ton of volume for fans. Or we were talking before the show when you were having internet issues with Addison and Andy that uh, I'm just concerned about all the Denver pass catching options because it's Drew Lock. It's you know they're going to run as much as they can. I think to hide Drew Lock. Always hating on Drew Lock. Always. I, I, <laughs> it know, was just, 65, 65 for a football guy. So we're all pretty pretty in well, line. And, and just on that real quick, uh, when you look at what they have in, in Gordon and Javante Williams, uh, they can replicate. You know, Melvin Gordon could be the Michael Carter role, uh, like Williams was used to in Carolina last year. And those are two dynamic, versatile receiving options out of the backfield as well, which kind of would cut into the uh, receptions for Fant plus Cortland Sutton coming back. So um, as good as Fant could be, I, I, I wonder and question whether or not he'll be a high-volume guy this year. Yeah, and I know, I mean, we were talking about Dave Kluge before, but he was at Broncos camp today. He said Sutton didn't quite look himself yet. He still looked a little bit banged up, and the running backs both looked dynamic. So, I mean, they could really lean on the run game and, and try to try to do it that way. The last part, and we've done smash, we've done crash, now we're going to talk about sashes. Who are some of those guys right now that, that are under the radar, whether it's redraft or dynasty? So give me one of your guys, someone that people aren't necessarily talking about. Andy, we'll go with you first. Somebody other than Irv Smith, um, I, I, you know, listen, Ray GQ has become like a Twitter sensation. He and I seem to align on so many players. We've both been talking and telling everybody they're stupid, and I'm going to be that blunt. Yes, you're stupid if you think Dalton Schultz is not going to factor into the Dallas Cowboys offense. Uh, all these people that just want to keep believing Blake Jarwin, uh, Schultz is not to be played with. Uh, they kind of cancel each other out because I don't think one is going to trump the other. Uh, but, you know, just to have something on reserve, something you could get for cheap. Uh, so uh, I'll say Irv Smith, and, and I'll back it up with my, my Dalton Schultz love. I like it. Addison, who you got? Uh, this one is from a dynasty perspective, and I'm looking at the uh, August ADP from DLF, and I find it really weird that Cole Komet was the tight end 19 behind Pat Fryermuth, which was really interesting to me. So... Uh, I really like Cole Komet. I know Jimmy Graham is still there, but from a dynasty standpoint, once Jimmy Graham leaves, you know, you get Justin Fields integrated into that offense. I really like what the Bears can do and what their potential is over the next couple of years offensively. And I think Cole Komet could be a big part of that. And I think it's weird that he's valued behind Pat Fryermuth, who's kind of in the same situation, but they're the same age, and Komet has that one extra year on him already. Um, so I like Cole Komet at this tight end 19 price uh, that we have from DLF ADP. Uh, for Dynasty. I like that as well. Mung, give us one more to take us home. Uh, yeah, I'll go with uh, Granson in Indianapolis. Uh, he's gotten a lot of good reviews out of camp, and as much as I love Moali Cox, it, it just sounds like the Colts view him mostly as a blocker um, with Doyle and Granson getting more of the receiver role. If you think Carson Wentz is the long-term answer for the Colts, we know that he loves the tight ends, so you know, give me grandson for you can probably still get him for a third round pick. Absolutely. A couple other guys that might still be out there and I, I, I was checking waiver wires, Jacob Harris, Noah Gray, you know, and I Granson was gonna be mine as well. So great show guys. Enjoyed having you on. Um Andy, why don't you tell everybody and again, you know, happy anniversary. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find all of your work and uh, again, you know, check out the podcast that you just dropped and give us all that. Yeah, thank you. I'll make this quick. Uh, just follow me on Twitter, at People's Pen. I've been over 9,000 followers three separate times today. I keep going up and then going down. I don't know why. So come and follow me and stay there. 
But everything I do is always linked. I, I like to be active. I like to interact. I like to talk to people. I'll talk to you honestly. It's always in good fun. Uh, Run Expand the Box Score was founded to provide uh, affordable, advanced stats, mostly for college. That's what really the precipice was. Uh, but we do it for the NFL as well. Full content, full scouting department. A really, just real quick shout out. We do. Uh, we did our first annual draft guide last year. We have a scouting department of over a dozen. Uh, two of our guys got added to NFL rosters based on their work for our, our, our site last year. Uh, so really proud of that. Uh, just come check us out. We're having a lot of fun. We're, we're trying to do good things for football. If you like football, you'll like us. Expand the box score is the site. Uh, you follow XD Box Score or People Spend on Twitter, and you'll get links to everything. Yeah, we'll put that link in when we release the podcast. Great work. Love it. Addison, same thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, mine is just basically at Hayes underscore on Twitter. But the main thing that I would like to push everybody to is the DLF YouTube channel. Uh, it's where like all of my content goes. Um, I do push the YouTube shorts to Twitter and TikTok. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's mainly the DLF YouTube channel. Uh, that's where like all of my content goes in video form now. Uh, but there's also still a whole bunch of other people from the DLF site uh, that contribute to that, including we have the DLF podcast on there, you know, Ryan McDowell. Uh, mannequin chill that's scott connor shane manila they're fantastic they're super smart that's really fun peter howard gets on there every now and then uh russ fisher dynasty outhouse gets on there as well we have a plethora of guys uh on there you know every single day basically on the dlf youtube channel and we got some pretty cool stuff coming for the in-season content as well uh from both dynasty and a redraft perspective so really looking forward to that so yeah subscribe to the dlf youtube channel you're right. All those guys are fantastic. We've had them all on the pod, every single one of them. So they brilliant minds, all of you guys over there. And uh, you're gonna get into any TikTok dance moves, though. That's what that's what Mung really wants to know. Nah, that's that's not yeah. something I wanna I wanna put out there. <laughs> love love it, Mung. You know, why don't you tell everybody? I know you had an article just dropping. Wayne, what's going on with you? Yeah, well, thanks to Edison and Andy for coming on, especially Andy. Hopefully, it wasn't one of those like, yeah, honey, go uh, go report record your podcast uh you know where you're supposed to ignore the advice there but uh you know congrats on the wedding anniversary uh you guys can find all my stuff at fantraxhq.com uh dropping articles there i have my top 200 redraft rankings updated pretty often and then uh, for those of you who didn't know i also do a redraft podcast called the fantasy football addicts uh, now part of the fantrax podcast family so go check that one out too thanks again for tuning in guys and enjoy the process Yo, thank you so 